Scrooge Family Ghost by Todd Puccio, version November 2022, Chapter 2, Part 5. The weeks passed and Fred found himself in a pensive state that Christmas dinner. Even the charming Jenny, whom Ma and Pa brought with them again, was scarcely enough to distract Fred from the thoughts of his uncle and their earlier exchange. After dinner, while the family gathered in the parlor, Pa Fuzzywig asked, Master Freddy, you have lost your usual chatter. What is on your mind, my boy? Fred responded, I invited my Uncle Ebenezer to Christmas dinner, and we had the most unpleasant exchange about it. How so? Pa asked. Fred briefly described the exchange. Pa responded, It is his loss. He has chosen to exclude himself from our company. We shall ever be open to his friendship should he happen upon us again. All of the elders in the room, that's Fred's father, Ma, and Pa Fezziwig, all shook their heads in accord to that sentiment. Fred pondered the idea that his Uncle Ebenezer must have been, at times, very good company, if good Christians such as these would be so welcoming for his company again. Fred looked at Jenny, unsure about how she would react to his next words, but he felt compelled to share this with his family. He looked up to Ma and then to his father and said, I think that I saw her one night while I was reading her journal. Dick sat up in his corner chair and turned to his son. Saw who? Saw your mother? Yes, father. I heard that harp-like singing again after I had read an entry in her journal. Then I had what I can only call a, a ghostly vision. Ma Fezziwig sat back in the lounge chair and nudged her husband. She grinned and said, Oh, I see. Another family ghost story, eh? Fred was afraid to seem as a lunatic in the presence of Jenny and turned to the young woman. Her face was soft and full of concern, and it had a look of friendship about it. She was not afraid to hear what he had to say. Fred told the family of his encounter with the lighted orb and the little girl and the two ghosts. When he was finished with the tale, he ended it by telling them how much love he felt as he slept. Dick reached his hand over to the young man next to him and patted him on his hand. Jenny rose from her chair and crossed the room, telling the family that she intended to fetch some coffee. When she passed by Fred's chair, she bent over and gave him a little kiss upon the top of his head. Then she continued to the kitchen. Jenny returned with a fresh serving of coffee and refilled the cups of the family while they were recounting Fred's tale and asking for clarifications and details. Pa Fezziwig cleared his throat at one point and said, <clears throat> Freddy, you say that there was a ghost of an English gentleman who was bald? It just came to my mind that a tale that your grandfather, Gilbert Scrooge, once told to me. Ma spoke to her husband. Don't toy with Freddy's feelings now, Pa. He responded, No, my dear, I am in earnest. I once asked how Gilbert came upon his change of heart after so many years of melancholy for Julie's death. At first, he gave me a perplexing response about wanting to keep his hair. I asked him again a couple of years later, and he said to me that I might think he was a madman. 
and then he confided in me with a tale of a haunting of his own. The company all encouraged Pa to tell them the tale. Pa told all in the company the tale with great emotional embellishment and changing his voice, trying to, to make impressions of the people he once knew. He even included details that he knew about from other conversations from those involved. When he was done, the enraptured audience joined in applause and exclamations of wonderment. Ma looked up at Pa Fezziwig and exclaimed with a genuine surprise that she had never heard this tale from him before, and she was shocked that after all these years he would finally share it. Dick was glad to hear about the details that included his wife, and Freddie was happy and grateful to Pa, as he had learned new things about his family. Oh, well, of course, here's the tale. THE GHOST OF CHRISTMAS REDEMPTION Upon one night of St. Nicholas Day, Gil was woken late, one night, late by a mysterious presence in his bedroom. He heard the voice of a man clearing his throat, just as if an old acquaintance entered and was politely asking to be recognized. Gil looked at his door and saw a tall English country gentleman standing there. He was there, but only slightly there for his, this bald-headed man was more of a white shadow that could be seen through. That is, the wall behind him was only partially obstructed, as if by a thin lace curtain drawn in front of it. This man took a slight bow to Gill in his bed and asked if he might have a word with him. Gill was quite struck by this man's appearance, and equally by his politeness, Fear of this ghostly visitor was curiously absent, for he brought with him a sense of peace. Gil responded in the affirmative that he would be willing to hear any message this wraith would care to deliver. Gilbert was asked the spirit who he was. The spirit spoke, I have forgotten my earthly name in life. People now call me the ghost of Christmas redemption or the ghost of Christmas regrets. Which is it? Gil asked, as his peace became disturbed, and a fear began to grow within him. That, Gilbert Scrooge, is up to you. Each of us is destined to go about our fellow man spreading love and joy. Those of us who have withheld this in life are doomed to wander among our fellows in death with regret of not doing so. Forever, spirit, forever? For some, yes. For others, it may only be for a time of purgation, a time of penance and redemption. For on occasion, we may be able to speak and attempt to influence the living, as I am doing here tonight. So then, you are here for me? I am, if that is what you wish. Ah, I have noticed your gaze upon my bald head. Have you not seen bald men before? Well, yes, spirit, but yours somehow stand out. That is because you are acutely vain about your own hair, that you acutely notice my lack of it. And indeed, Gilbert Scrooge was vainly proud 
of his full head of thick hair. It was a family trait that the Scrooge men all kept their hair until death, no matter the age. The ghost spoke again. Go to the mirror, Gilbert, and look at yourself. Gilbert did as he was told. He stepped up to the mirror that was next to his wash basin and beheld what looked like hairs falling from his head one by one. Gilbert's vanity seized his mind with fear. And not only his vanity, for he could not only see the hairs fall from his head, he could feel them loosening and then releasing from his scalp as if the long tendrils of their roots were long enough to be rooted into his chest. Each lost hair pulled something indescribable from deep inside of him. Look, Gilbert, I know what you are seeing. I know what you are feeling. The spirit commanded again, Like me, you will lose hair with each regret you have in life. Because you will not cast them out, you are holding your regrets in, and they will eat you alive and kill your heart. What must I do? Gilbert asked. He now grew even more fearful, not only at the prospect of losing his hair, but also of losing his heart. You must speak plainly of your regrets, and then cast them aside when they prevent you from showing your charity. Tell me, what is it that is holding you? Is it the death of your wife? Gilbert turned to the spirit in a, in a sudden burst of wrath. Of course it is! The light of my life has been taken from me. I have nothing left. Nothing. What of your children? There is a girl in the room here that loves you dearly, and a boy whom you have sent away. Gilbert clenched his teeth at the mention of the boy. I could not stand the sight of the boy any longer. Why not? Tell me. Because he was disobedient, and she died because of it. We had an arrangement. Julie and I had an arrangement that if I were caught at work during dangerous inclement weather that... I would stay in the office until the next morning, so that I would not risk life and limb returning home. The boy knew it. The boy knew it, too. He knew, and it had happened before, and he was resigned to the idea, just like his mother. But not that night. No. I had decided to return to my workplace on Christmas Eve to finish up some things. She asked me to stay and wait until after Christmas Day, but I assured her that I would not take long. I was caught by sleet in the evening, and as we had done before, by arrangement I decided to remain at my office for the night. And then? The boy. He would not have it. The girl began crying for her father on Christmas Eve, and the boy insisted that he would go fetch me home for Christmas. So he went out into the sleet to find me. Julie caught up to him only a few blocks later. 
but in her haste to retrieve the boy she had not bundled herself well. She was dead by sunset on the twelfth night. All because of that boy. He was a child of eight years and your daughter of six. Are you sure that it is their disobedience that you are feeling anger about? Gilbert sat down on his bed and began to weep. After a few moments, he looked up to the ghostly bald man and sobbed. It was I that was disobedient. My wife asked me to wait only two days. I knew there was risk of inclement weather, and the children would cry for me. I should have been more wise. I should have listened to her. I should have been there for my family. I was wrong. And I was a fool and let my dear heart die because of it. And? And I sent the boy away, so I would not have him here as a reminder of my failure. She is gone, spirit. My sweet love has passed beyond me, and I have no love left within me. You are wrong, Gilbert Scrooge. Your children can bring you that love back, if you will let them. Accept your regrets and your mistakes, then cast them out as charity. The choice is yours. Will you hold your regrets in as poison, or cast them out as charity? I don't know, spirit. I am torn. I am broken. I am weak. I am not the man I once was. You do not need to be the man you once were. You need to be the man that you wish to become. Mark my words, Gilbert Scrooge. I am here by the wish and the prayers of others on your behalf, that you might redeem yourself before a fate such as mine is cast upon you in death. Use this gift wisely, for none of us knows when that day will come. The bald gentleman then walked out through the door of the room. Gilbert sobbed himself back into sleep, unsure if he could let his pain go. The next morning, he skipped his usual breakfast, swallowed a cup of tea in one gulp, and grabbed two dry toast on his way out the door. Mr. Fezziwig, the old family friend, was surprised to see Gilbert at the door. Gil! Gil! Is that you, I see? Fezziwig's cheeks turned rosy with cheer, while his mouth and his eyes both broadened in a great smile. His rotund belly nearly bumped into Gilbert's when his fat little fingers clasped Gilbert's hands. It is so glad to see you. What brings you here to the warehouse? How are Ebenezer and little Fan? Ma will be so happy to hear that you came to visit me. Please come in, come in. Can I get you some tea? Gilbert smiled at his old friend, amused by his tremendous exuberance. Whenever Fezziwig expressed friendship, it was always with his whole heart and being. Gilbert sat down on the chair that was offered to him, 
He softened his voice. Fezziwig, I have come to ask a favor. Whatever you need, Gil, what is it? My boy is growing up. Could you see fit to take him on as an apprentice here at the warehouse? Fezziwig did not hesitate his response. Of course, of course, Gil. Mother and I were discussing this very thing only a few days ago. Bring him here when you are ready. Thank you, old friend. You and your wife have always been there to support my family. Your generosity will not be forgotten. Fezziwig asked, Now tell me, Gil, why do you not wish to teach him your trade? No, no. We are many years removed from the old family wealth. The second son of a second son of old-time gentry is barely worth mentioning these days. The old fortunes are dwindling, and my meager investments and trade dabbling have done sufficient to carry my small household, but hardly much further. Oh, Gil, you can still make your fortune yet! <laughs> Thank you for your confidence, my old friend, but you forget that I am many years your senior. When I met Julie, your wife, and yourself, the three of you were such a merry band of youths. You kept me young while I was with you, but these years of grief and regret have aged me. I am feeling my age. I have little left to pass on to my children, the best I can give them now is a good start. Well, I am glad to hear it. But why now? Fezziwig asked. Gilbert gazed up into the warehouse, where he could partially see an old dressing mirror that a workman was preparing to ship. His voice spoke to the distant mirror, as if he was trying to call the workman, startling the poor fellow. I have decided to keep my hair. Fezziwig was also startled at the little shout. He quickly looked behind him at the mirror and then back to Gilbert with a questioning look. Gilbert cleared his throat. Uh, <clears> throat> er, um, that is, I have decided to cast my regrets into charity for my friends and my children. Fezziwig glasped Gilbert's shoulder. Casting regrets into charity. What a wonderful expression. Come, have some tea with me. It is good to have you here by my side again. These two old friends sat for a time, catching up on their recent activities. Gilbert then excused himself as the morning waned, and he went on about several common errands for the rest of the day. Fan was happy to see her father arrive that night in time for dinner. The maid had just finished setting the table when he walked in. He came into the dining room and kissed his daughter on the head before he sat beside her at the table. How was your day, Fan? Good, father. Thank you. And did your day pass well? Yes, my dear. Yes, my dear one, it did. Fan noticed a change in him. He was not usually this affectionate. He did not pause and sigh at his dish when the maid brought it to him. 
This was a usual thing for him to do. Fans supposed it was that he missed sharing dinner with his wife. And yet, tonight he seemed contented to eat it only with his daughter besides him. He then reached over to Fan's hand on the table as she reached for her fork, and he patted it. Dear Fan, Christmas is coming soon. It was once your mother's favorite holiday. Yes, I know, Father, Fan responded. He turned up from his plate and gave her a softened gaze. May I grant you the wish of any particular gift? He knew what the answer to this question would be. Fan paused for a moment and gathered her courage. She had made her wish so many times, and now she hesitated. Perhaps she should not make the same wish again? But no, her father seemed a bit changed. She dared to think his answer may be different. A little tear of fear and hope formed in her left eye. She met his gaze. Yes, father. If I may have one wish, I would ask you to bring my brother Ebenezer home for Christmas. Gilbert smiled and patted her hand again. Yes, my little one, you shall go to him in a few days. Fetch him home. Then he will stay with us from now on, an apprentice with Mr. Fezziwig. Oh, father, Fan exclaimed. She leapt from her chair and hugged Gilbert's neck as tight as she could. <laughs>